Welcome to The Liberated Life. Get ready to free your mind, body, and spirit in business and pleasure. Now here's your host, Robin Quinn Keen. Hi, everybody. This is Robin Quinn Keen. Welcome to The Liberated Life. Today, I'm really excited about the guest that I have for you. His name is David Wood, and he is a majorly busy coach. David, I don't know if you're still coaching thousands of entrepreneurs in 15 countries at the moment, but that's pretty impressive. And uh, I love what you coach on. You talk about how to do what matters, getting there faster and being extraordinary. And I know that you are all about many things that I'm about, which is focus, intention, achievement of goals so that you can actually live a freer life, right? Have more financial freedom, emotional freedom, probably spiritual freedom. And that all resonates so much with me and my listeners. So I'm very much looking forward to our conversation today. Awesome. You know, thousands of people would be a lot to coach at one time, but (laughs) I've been at this for a while. So, you know, when you add them up, I have worked with a lot of entrepreneurs and, uh, and also executives, but what I found is that most people are wanting freedom. I know I want freedom. I know your podcast is about the liberated life. So I figure let's start with more money because more money is better than less money and let's have financial freedom and then let's have more time off so that you have time freedom. And then the third freedom that, that uh, I'm really passionate about is emotional freedom let's be fully expressed. Let's have no skeletons in the closet, nothing that can bite us on the butt. Let's not have hidden tolerations or hidden desires. Let's, let's have what can sometimes be called tough conversations so that we can have emotional freedom too. I 100% agree with you. And I did listen to your podcast. I listened to a few episodes in the last few days on tough conversations and very, very good You've got some great processes there. One of them is, I believe it's the word care. I listened to the role playing that you did. So if you're listening to this and you want to go check it out, uh, Tough Conversations is David's podcast. And David, that's one of the things that is very near and dear to my heart. And I have a, a process to help people actually quit doing things that aren't aligned with what matters most to them. So maybe we can talk about that too. But I would love to hear about, you know, what is your take on... How do people actually get to the place of being free? And I know that courage is one of the things that is required for freedom. At least it is in my book. So do you want to talk a little bit about your take on courage and how you ended up having that as such a core value? Yeah, sure. I think I think courage is so important to me because I discovered as a kid what it felt like to not have courage. So, for example, the school bullies, whenever I'd get bullied, I'd usually just back down, wouldn't stand up for myself. And short term, that's fine. But then long term, I felt really bad about the fact that I never just stood up and, you know, just punched a bully on the nose and took a beating. If I'd just done that once in my life, I would have felt better about myself. And also asking women out. You know, I was too scared to go and ask the girls out at school. And then as an adult, I know this is an edge for a lot of guys is asking, like going up to to a woman you don't know, particularly if she's with a group of friends and and saying, hey, I'd like to chat with you. That can be very, very scary. But I've always regretted not doing that when I did not follow that self-expression or I didn't stand up for myself. 
So later in life, I uh, found myself leaning into the things that I was afraid of. So I'm, I'm afraid of heights. So I would go and paraglide, see if I can conquer that fear. I'd be scared to ask women out. So I would push myself to go and do it. And in a business context, there might be a celebrity that you want to endorse your product or to write the forward to your book or something like that. And it was pretty scary for me to ask Richard Branson and Steve Wynn from Wynn Hotels and Jack Canfield if they would consider it. But here's what I discovered, Robin. The win, the true win is simply in the self-expression. It's simply in going and asking and saying, hey, would you be willing? Would you go out with me? Would you write the forward to my book? Would you like to be a client? There's a huge, there's a great feeling in doing that. And I want, I want everyone to have that feeling. Now, as a bonus, you may get what you want. That's a wonderful bonus. I mean, Jack Canfield did write the forward to my book. You know, I've had some wonderful things come from asking, but I really believe that's just icing on the cake is those benefits. I want you to be fully expressed. I don't want fear to hold you back because on our deathbeds, do you want to look back and say, yeah, I really could have done more. I could have spoken up more. I could have said my truth. I could have asked for what I wanted. Or do you want to be like, I gave it everything. I really left everything out on the field. I think about that. And I have a lot of friends that think about that. It's been very interesting for me to, to observe myself and others in the area of courage and taking those steps, being a risk taker. I've always considered myself to be a risk taker. I was kind of raised on that. Many of my listeners know that my dad was an airline captain and my mom was a school teacher. But for some reason, my dad he valued freedom. And for some reason, maybe because of that, he gave me a ton. My mom wanted to keep me safe, but my dad was like, no, go for it. So I grew up on airplanes. And the first time I traveled by myself, and this was back in the seventies, my parents put me on an airplane to go visit a friend in Texas. And I was 13. And that was kind of a, well, maybe I was 12, but that was kind of a risky thing, right? I got on an airplane. I flew to Dallas. I changed airlines, changed planes, made a connection. And uh, I think, yeah, my mom and dad, my dad especially, just encouraged me to do whatever I wanted to do. And back then, that was kind of a big deal. Nobody's kids traveled by themselves on airplanes. That seems really minor now. Um, I wouldn't think anything about it, really. But my favorite quote is that I kind of actually have framed and kind of live by is from Mark Twain. And he said, why not go out on a limb? That's where all the fruit is. <laughs> and I, I really love that because I think that life happens when you say yes. And so I try to see how many yeses I can say in a day. And of course, you know, that also puts me in the space of often being an overdoer, which is where the other part comes in about how to quit things so that you're saying yes to the right things, right? How to have the wisdom to know what should be a yes and what shouldn't. But that's another topic. <laughs> that's a topic that I do want to get into. But when it comes to courage, I think I fully agree with you. I think self-expression is one of the great benefits of courage. But let's, let's, let's bring it down to nuts and bolts too, because I know a lot of, I imagine a lot of your listeners, if they run a business, they want more revenue. I, I've rarely met a business owner that doesn't want to double revenue. Right. And if you have a job, I bet you wouldn't mind doubling your pay as well. It can sometimes take longer if you have a career versus if you, if you have a business. 
But if you want to make more money, you have to access your courage Mm -hmm. as well. If you stay in your comfort zone, then that's not where the rewards lie. Mm -hmm. The big rewards in life, particularly financial rewards, lie just outside the comfort zone. So I'm saying that because if people are like, yeah, but yeah, sure, self-expression is great, but is this going to help me in my business? Yeah. If you go and speak up to your staff who aren't performing, that takes courage and that can improve the bottom line. It can also stop draining your energy. But when you reach out, you call 10 people who could be customers and prospects, and then you find and say, hey, I've got something I think you'd be interested in. And two or three of them say, yeah, you're right. That's more money in the bank. So I I guess I'm trying to say courage is wonderful for self-expression and for no regrets, but there's also a bottom line impact as well. Well, and I think we should definitely talk about how we get there, David, because I, you know, I think about how hard it is sometimes to pick up the phone and just call and ask if you, you know, would you like to work with me Would that? Is it the right time? But I hear it from my clients all the time that, you know, oh, can I just, can I just message somebody? Can I just send a text? And I'm like, actually, no, you need to pick up the phone and have a, a real conversation. And I know the bottom line is that is scary. And everything you talked about earlier when you're talking about, you know, asking a woman out, punching the bully. I don't know about rejection with the bully, but certainly asking a woman out requires courage because on the other side of that is rejection. And it's the same thing when we speak to potential clients, potential customers, we have interactions with our staff. Rejection is really the enemy, isn't it? Is, Is that at the other end? Well, that's why courage is required because we don't want that feeling, right? right, Of someone saying no. So I think that's one one thing that could be scary if we're asking people to work with us or if we're asking someone out or or if we're going out to our partner and say, hey, there's something I'd like to try in the bedroom, right? These are edgy things. And that's why courage is required. One of the things that's hard is to work out where your edge is. Like, where is that discomfort zone? Because the mind might try and hide that from us. The mind doesn't want to go there. The mind isn't, you, you don't wake up and the mind says, hey, here are seven uncomfortable things we could do today. <laughs> no. So I, you know, I just listened to an audio message from a, from a former client. He sent me a message and said, I really appreciate how you would constantly ask me every session, how could you dream bigger? Mm. Every week I had to answer that question. And then you had a structure to hold me accountable so that I'd take action towards that. Then the next week you'd ask me the same question. How can you dream bigger? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask your listeners this today. Everyone listening, grab a sheet of paper and at the top, write what would dreaming bigger look like? What's my bigger dream? And you're not committing to this, right? Or, you know, I don't want to scare the the part of your brain that wants to hide these things. You're not committing to this. You're simply painting a picture. If you were to dream bigger, what would it look like? And if you like, you can draw a line down the middle of the piece of paper. And on the left side could be business or career. And on the right side could be just general life things. You might have dreams for your relationship, 
for your kids. You might have dreams for your own health or for some project like swimming with dolphins. In the business, you might have dreams for who, who you're going to be involved with. For example, like if I start to dream, I uh, dream of having Alan Alda from MASH on my podcast. I would love that. I'd, I'd love to interview uh, Patrick Rothfuss, who's one of my favorite authors, wrote a book called Name of the Wind. Mm. Um, you can start to dream and just see what that would look like. Now, you may find that some of those things might be a little edgy, like, ooh, you know, and if you feel a little bit of a thrill or some nervousness or some hesitation, that's a great sign. That's showing you that now you're starting to look at your discomfort zone. Then you can start to look at how do I coax myself into doing that? How do I actually take those steps? But I want you, I want to work with you on this first step, which is becoming aware of what might lie in the discomfort zone. So then you have choice as to whether or not you'll step into that. I think that's a great process. And I think one of the things I've learned is we don't want to scare ourselves, right? So that's why this kind of questioning, how could you dream bigger or what would dreaming bigger look like? I often ask, I have a mastermind of uh, people who own music and dance studios. And I will often ask them just to write down, if I could have it any way I wanted it, what would it look like? It's another way of getting in without freaking yourself out and having your brain go, no, 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 no. It's just a casual question, right? So I liked what you said. You're not making a commitment. You're just opening the door to finding some things that you maybe have not considered before that could be possible. And I love the dream of speaking to your favorite author or having Alda on your show. I think those are great dreams. When I was a little girl, some people know this, it's a funny story, but I dreamed of meeting Davy Jones from the monkeys. And he was a much older man than me. You know, I was, I, I don't know how much older he actually was, but anyway, I was really little. I was like five or six and I loved the monkeys it was right when they came on the scene. And so I made up stories about Davy Jones for years. And I was always in trouble with my mom for lying about Davy Jones. But guess what? When I was in college, I was working at a gourmet deli in Santa Barbara and in walked Davy Jones. And I looked at Davy Jones and I said, Davy Jones, I have loved you my entire life. He said, come over here and give me a kiss. <laughs> so these dreams that we have really, you know, you let your brain work on them. You stay focused on them. I really believe that just being in the anticipation of it, the possibility of it happening, right? Those are, that's a very powerful place to be as opposed to thinking, oh, that could never happen. So I'm not even going to think about it. Yep. Yep. That's right. Um, you know, I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us weren't raised to believe that anything is possible. And I don't know where I got the idea that everything, everything is possible, but somewhere along the way, my mother used to say the best way to get me to do something was tell me it couldn't be done. And I, it's like a red rag to a bull. So look, I have, I have, I have lots of dreams. I, I have a dream of being discovered, being the lead in a major motion picture. Really? Movie. Yeah. I have a dream of that. I haven't done much about it. I just, I would love that to happen. I actually, and I also have another dream. I'm, and I may do this. I may actually move to Los Angeles and do a two year acting program and really immerse myself in the life of an actor and go and audition 
you know, without any attachment to getting any of the gigs. I just want to live that life as an, as an actor. So I think it's, you know, you can have pie in the sky dreams, like big things, like you're going to meet a, a celebrity. You can also have, see, dream is usually used for something big, yeah. something huge. So I, I like to operate at that level. That's fun. But there are such much smaller things that we wouldn't call dreams and it could be just wishes or desires. I would like this person to be on time for my Zoom meetings, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So here's, here's another exercise you can do. You got the one, one sheet of paper, what's my bigger dream? Another sheet of paper right at the top, what would I do if I was fearless? It's another way of accessing similar information. If I was fearless, what would I do in my business or my career? What would I do in my life? What would I say to people? Mm. What would I ask for? What would I change? Would I move countries? Would I have a kid? Would I, you know, who knows? Mm. But I think it's a wonderful, wonderful question to ask. Well, David, I'm, I'm curious, since I just had this conversation with a friend over the weekend about achievement right he was like well what happens if you've been climbing a mountain and you figure out it was the wrong one and of course we went back and forth because I said well who said it was the wrong one and for me I'm very clear it is the climb it's the journey and I think you indicated that earlier in our conversation that it's not necessarily that you got the endorsement of Jack Canfield it was the fact for you that you actually had the courage to ask Right. So even these things that we're writing down and we're dreaming about, um, I think that's a huge step to let yourself go. Yeah. Try them out. If I could just download into everyone's brain right now, the number of things I've asked for and gotten a no Mm -hmm. or no response, you'd be stunned. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes people see, like I've had some, I've been blessed with some success in my life and some people see that and go, oh, well, you just, you just know how to do it, or you've got special skills or, well, to, some of that might be true, but largely I've just asked for so much. Um, Patrick Rothfuss, the author, I, it took me a couple of years just percolating, just thinking, I wish I, I, I actually wish he'd finish his third book. We've been waiting 10 years for it. Finally, I thought I could do something about that. So I, I sent a message through his website to say, hey, totally self-interest here. I want to offer to coach you to help you um, work on this book because I want to read it. Now, didn't get a response, but you add those up like 100, 200, 300, 1,000, 3,000, 5,000 little little I once reached out to Tom Cruise's personal assistant to say I'd like to coach Tom. Just It just it just came up in me. And finally, I'm like, oh, I got the impulse. The day I, I got the impulse to call Jack Canfield, I'd wanted to call his office and ask him if he'd come and speak at my live event. I was so scared to do it. And then one day, just thinking about it, daydreaming about it, I'm like, oh, damn it. Give me that phone. Mm-hmm. Called the phone. He happened to be in. They happened to put me through. And I got him on the phone and I said, I would orient my entire event around when you're going to be in town. So you don't even have to do a special trip. What would it take to enroll you in speaking at my event? 
lo and behold, it happened. But that's one of the one in 500, one in a thousand requests that come through. It, I just, I get a few of them because I asked for so many. When Jack spoke at my event, he himself talked about the law of large numbers. Ah, yeah. I never put that together that, that I use the law of large numbers to get him to speak to the event, to, at the event about the law of large numbers. Wow, that is such a powerful reminder that you don't just ask for something once and say, ah, it didn't happen, I quit, right? You don't, you keep pursuing the things that move you, excite you, thrill you, light you up, and you learn how to be tenacious and, and not let the rejection or the lack of an answer stop you from moving forward. I think that's a big thing for people. They try something once and they go, ah, it didn't work. Um, I think that's why I'm good at helping people through that because I teach piano. I've taught piano for more than 25 years. You don't come to two lessons and go, ah, that didn't work. It's a practice. And I think we need to have a practice of asking. I love that idea. And I, I agree. Well, I think we've got two concepts here. One is just asking and the other one is asking repeatedly. Right. So there are some things I've only asked once, mm -hmm. but I, you know, I sent it off. I'm like universe, if that's what's meant to happen, then, then let's do it. Now, some things, the impulse in me is stronger. So mm -hmm. every now and then I'll come back to it. For example, Tim Minchin is a, a big celebrity. Um, and I met him before he was big when I was doing stand up comedy back in Australia. And now he's huge. And I just, I love him so much and I admire him so much. I, I've sent out a few emails and originally I used to get something back and yeah. now I send out stuff and I, I rarely get something back or, or a producer might get back to me and say, hey, I'll pass it on to Tim. Yeah. I haven't had a lot of luck in the last five or six years, but once every year or two, mm -hmm. it comes up again. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, Tim, I'd love to have you on my podcast or you know whatever and I'll, I'll just reach out you know, if I keep on going, maybe after another 10 years, you never know. Someone will just get that message at the right time or it'll, they'll pass it on to him at the right time. So I like that you brought up the idea of being tenacious as well. I think it depends how much it matters to you. Now you brought up something earlier, earlier on about how do you know what to focus on? How do you know what to say yes to and what to say no to? And I, th I think that's also critical. We can get in into that if you like, or we can, we can go on to some, something else. And well, we must be close to time too. Uh, we're, getting, we're getting there. Yeah, we've got a few more minutes. Well, I think, David, the reason this is kind of near and dear to my heart is because as a woman, I think men are different for the most part. I'll make a generalization there. I'll just say, I believe men are different than women. And on this topic, I believe they really are. I don't see men... Um, overcommitting the way I see women overcommitting. I think men, I'm a great follower of Alison Armstrong. I don't know if you know who she is, but she works with the topic of men and women in a very um, powerful way that's been life-changing for me in understanding. And she even says that men are pretty much born knowing who they are. They just, they have a sense of who they are and what are yeses and what are noes. And women, on the other hand, we are much more pliable. We will go out of our way to become chameleons just to make the people around us happy in whatever way. Yes. So I think 
women, do you, would you agree with that from your experience? Yeah, there's, I understand that, you know, fight or flight's been around for a long time. And then um, someone pointed out to me that they've come up with some new options. So there's fight or flight or freeze, which we, we sometimes do. And there's a fourth one called fawning. F-A-W-N-I-N-G, fawning behavior. In the US, I guess it'd be fawning. So, um, and I do, I do think that, that women would do it more than men. And I think it's a survival mechanism. It's like, this is how I'm going to get by because for, you know, for, for men, they can stand up for themselves and they're, they're seen as, as powerful. If a woman does it, she might be called a bitch. Mm-hmm. And so my understanding of, I've done a lot of courses on this and I'm still a student, but I understand that for women, it's even harder to say no because they might want to please. And sometimes to get what they want, they've had to be more covert. Mm-hmm. Than, than men. And I do believe it's changing, mm-hmm. but, but it's still there. However, this pleasing behavior or saying yes, when you want to say no, I think, I think men also overcommit enough that we can uh, lump them in, tar them with the same brush, mm-hmm. as we say in Australia. And we will overcommit on a macro level mm-hmm. and on a micro level. So let's take the macro when you're doing your planning for the next 12 months, I, I have one, one client and she, yeah, she happened to be a woman who said, do I have too many goals? I said, how many have you got? She said, 20. I said, how about we pick the top three mm-hmm. that really matter to you and then we'll put the rest in a drawer and you can pull those out as a reward when you've knocked off one of these others. She's like, great. Okay. That really works. So we can tend to take on too much at the macro level and say, I'm going to do this as a business owner. We might want to work with five different target markets and five different problems we want to solve for them. And then five different traffic sources. It's too much. So work out the big three, put the rest in the drawer. But if we bring it back to the micro level, let's say we bring it back to the next seven days on our to-do list is probably way too much. It's probably way more than we can do in the, in the seven days. And some of those things probably shouldn't be on your list at all. Because if you try and catch all the balls, you end up catching none of the balls. And then bring it right back to today. I probably bit off too much for today. I looked at my list and I feel a bit overwhelmed looking at it, it's like, all right, you're going to respond to your social media managers and you're going to respond on, on the bookkeeping position that you're hiring. And you're going to uh, follow up the program for this and you're going to handle these chargebacks. It was like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, maybe if I just chosen two or three and then had the rest on a bonus list somewhere else, then I could have a more peaceful day so I, I think whether it's FOMO or pleasing or fawning behavior or whatever it is, I think, I think we tend to take on too much. And the irony is if you focus on less, you'll be much better at it. Mm-hmm. You'll probably feel more peaceful and feel more like a champion because you'll nail it and you'll get better results. And if you have a business, I include doubling revenue and your time off in those results. So I, people say, oh, but, but, but I'm going to miss out. 
no, you miss out if you try and catch all the balls. I really agree with that. And I have another, an additional take on that, which is, and you are, your company is focus.ceo. So I know that you, um, that we're very aligned in the thinking around this, but here's what I think about taking on too much. And there's so much I could say about that, but the, the quick thing is when you take on too much, what ends up happening is there's no way that you can complete it well, or maybe even complete it all. And what begins to happen is you start to tell yourself a story, which is I don't get stuff done. I'm not productive. I don't finish what I start. And we start having an impact of that on our lives and on our peace of mind, on our freedom, our confidence. And when we do this with ourselves, it's bad enough in our own businesses. But when this feeds into or bleeds over into personal friendships, our personal life, we will often isolate from people who we believe we've let down, right? We just, we just avoid conversations, talking about the difficult conversations, tough conversations. We don't want to have them. And so we don't keep our word about something with somebody and it not only impacts them, but it impacts the way we feel about ourselves and the stories we tell. So I'm really a big fan of, in terms of work and your own business, committing to what you can and having some attainable, quantifiable goals that you can actually reach so that you start to say, oh, look at me, I got that thing done. And I'm constantly getting things done because I'm developing that habit of success rather than the habit of overcommitment, depression, like disappointment, unmet expectations, and all that brings. I, I agree. When we take on too much, we can feel bad about ourselves because we don't get it done or we don't do it well. And it's hard, like, it's hard for me to have that discipline because I, I want to do everything. And, and I think, well, you know, maybe Facebook ads are really going to work well for me. And, and maybe alliances could be the thing. It could be the silver bullet or maybe this, or maybe that, but practically I'm one person. And even though I I'm leveraging yeah. my time by, by having staff and contractors, I'm still just one person. There's only so much that can go through the computer of this brain. So I have a have a board up in front of me and I put the the things that I feel that are important to work on this week that have made it to my priority list mm -hmm. in one column. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of other stuff that I'd like to get to, but for sanity, it goes in another column called the hopper, which is like, we'll we'll get to that someday. That's my draw, basically. That is so it requires discipline in my 12 month planning it requires discipline in my seven day planning. And it requires discipline in my two hour planning. When I sit down to do a two hour sprint, what will I do for each of these 25 minute blocks in here? Cause I do 25 minutes, five minutes off, 25 minutes, five minutes off. What will I do? Very, very specific. You, you have to be disciplined because I know in 25 minutes, I cannot do four things. Right. No, I can only do one thing and it's a game changer. It, it may not happen overnight, but, uh, and I have a cheat sheet with, with, with um, a checklist that I highly recommend you go through. It talks about your 12 month planning, your seven day planning, your three month planning and your sprints. Uh, it's, it's really going to help you double your productivity and when we get to the end, which I think is coming up soon, I'm happy to give that away if, if you like, Robin. Thank you, David. Yes, that would be really helpful. 
I think that we need to have a process that we go through. Otherwise, you know, as things pick up in our businesses, as we have more clients, we are bringing in more revenue. If we're not on top of it and we don't have a process, it, it just becomes completely overwhelming. And it's funny, I'm looking at my board. You mentioned your board. Mine's a little bit different, but I have on the left active, active projects, active things. And on the right, yeah, I see you there. I'll get back to you later, not now. But it's very helpful for me actually to have a visual of the things that are what I just call my incompletes, active incompletes, meaning I don't want to put you in a drawer and never see you again. I want to recognize that you're hanging there and I'm acknowledging you. So my brain goes, okay, it's safely stored. I don't have to keep waking you exactly. up at night, you know? Exactly. And these things are just powerful tools. And you also mentioned a topic that's near and dear to my heart, which is there is no such thing as multitasking. You, your brain just can't do it. It used to be a big thing like, oh, oh, you're so good at multitasking. And I realize that's just make-believe. It, it's fun. It's entertaining. It's a little stressful. gives you some dopamine, gives you some adrenaline. Hmm. But if you're serious about results, then you just can't do it. You got to block things off. You got to turn off distractions. You got to put a sign on your door. You got to really buckle down and do what your CEO has told you in your planning session that really matters. And tell me, can you just spend a couple of minutes, David, and tell us about your business focus.ceo? I'd love to share that with our listeners. I've been and looked at it and I think it looks terrific. Like you've got a great process there. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, it's, designed to help business owners double their revenue and their time off over 12 months. That's what everything's built around. Now, once, once we've got really good motion on that, the stuff that I really care about and that most of my clients care about is who are you as a human being? Mm -hmm. If you just want money, you should go to somebody else because there are lots of people that will work with you just on finances. But I'm, I say, let's get you financial freedom. Let's get you time freedom. And then let's work on your emotional freedom so that you love your life. But I'm smart enough not to lead with that because I think most of our brains are wired to like, I need more money. So I, I wrap what I care about in what a lot of my clients care about, which mm -hmm. is the finances and the, and the time off. Mm -hmm. And I have an eight week program called the Samurai, Samurai program. I can't usually double your revenue in eight weeks, but I can set you up for a 20% revenue bump over eight weeks and give you all the uh, pieces in place so that you can then double revenue over the year. And the pieces in place, are you talking about like systems to use? Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, I'd love to talk about the pieces. I, I broke them all uh, into three different buckets. We need to work on your productivity, which mm -hmm. means plotting your course and being effective with your time and your mindset. So that's the productivity bucket. Then we need to look at your numbers. So do you have a flood of leads or a trickle? How's your conversion rate when people come to your website? And are you loving up your existing customers instead of just searching for new customers? So that's the revenue bucket. Then the third bucket is leverage because you are the bottleneck in, in your business. And so we need to clarify your genius, hire the right talent, and then motivate them and keep them accountable. That's the, the eight-week Samurai program in a nutshell. And what's really important is that you work out which of those pieces you need. 
because it, you know you don't need to go through and do all nine pieces of that program because the plan for you robin could be different to the plan for bill right. so i have a, a an assessment tool it's a 35 minute video training where i walk you through each of these steps and you will give yourself a score red green or yellow based on how strong you are so that you will then know these are the elements of the semi program where I'm already strong. I don't have to put attention on those. These are the elements where I'm weak. I'm going to take these on as my projects first. I, I can give you guys a link to, to that training too. I'm happy to give you a copy of that. Thank you, David. That's really generous. Yes. I think we all need more. We all need to dream more. And then we also need structure in our lives to help us get free to go do those dreams, even if they're little things, right? There's so much that can stand in the way of having that freedom. So finding some systems and structures to place around us is so important. Um, I find that with improvising on the piano. When you give a student up, just say, hey, improvise, they're like, ah, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know where to start. But if I give them a three note song, it works every time because they've got a structure. They've got a, a safe place to, to practice and to exactly. explore. And we need the same thing around us. I really believe that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, David, thank you so much for being on The Liberated Life with me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. I think we probably could have 10 more on <laughs> well, digging further into the different topics for sure. Um, really appreciate your take on dreaming and the courage and the courage being the exciting part, right? Whether or not you get the result that you were expecting, the fact that you actually took a courageous step forward is really what makes you feel good. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Shall, we, shall we give listeners the link? It's uh, an easy one to remember. Yes, please. Yeah. So you can get the cheat sheet for how to double your productivity and also the double your revenue training, which used to be two hours, but I went through and I, and I boil it down to 35 minutes Wow! and you can get both of those things and also see if you're a fit for the semi program. I don't take every application, but the ones I, I take the people that I feel confident I can generate results for. Okay. Uh, otherwise, you know, we're, we're, we're both going to be frustrated, but you can see if you're a fit for that at myfocusgift.com. You get the cheat sheet download and the training and see if you're fit for the program at myfocusgift.com. Thank you, David. That's really generous. I appreciate it very much. And I know our listeners will too. And I'm going to go there when we're done with our call today and, and check it out. Well, I'm glad to meet you, Robin. And thanks for, thanks for the work you're doing and helping people live a liberated life. Thank you. Yes, it's my honor and, and it's fun too. That's, <laughs> it's my fun in my day. So thank you for being here, David. Thanks for listening to The Liberated Life. Be sure to catch us in the show notes and find the link to David's gift. We'll look forward to seeing you the next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at quittingculture.com.